Tyler Powers Radio. Uh, this next person, uh, I don't know if he has a YouTube channel. Uh, I listen to a lot of people from all different walks of life. I don't agree with everything that they say. But uh, I'm the kind of person that I look for information uh, wherever I can find it. And you have to learn how to take what is valuable and what you might not hear in other places. And the rest that you don't agree with, you just, you know, let it go. So I don't know every single thing that he's going to say. But he's got some interesting knowledge. And, uh... uh Just listen. See what he's about. This is Dr. Phil Valentine. He is a metaphysician, a black American metaphysician. Propagate and participate in. And the unquestioning trust we have blindly assigned to those responsible for engineering and maintaining the stultifying paralysis and calculated persecution of independent explorers who dare to travel those uncharted territories that do not fail or do not fail or fall into the quantum cult's prescripted definitions of reality. As the last surviving member of the fated vessel Pequod, Ishmael in the novel Moby Dick said, reality outruns apprehension. That being said, We shall adjourn to the pictures now. Because I know you guys are from that particular era where pictures are necessary. So we got a lot of pictures for you. But we do have some more reading for you before we do do the pictures. Why? Because I've been assailed. Have I been correct in the last 40 years of my work? No. You know, totally anything that you do. You're a human being. You get mistakes. The thing is to admit those mistakes. Okay? When I was introduced to the so-called flat earth, it was given to me by a very good friend at the time who was a salesman at a store called Weiser's. I don't know if anybody you are old enough to know about Weiser's on Fifth Avenue, but they were the occult store to buy all of your occult doctrines from. He gave me a book. That book was called World Beyond the Pole. And that World's Beyond the Poles, and I said, what is this? I tried reading it at that time, but you know what? I wasn't ready. Because he wrote it in such a, uh, oh, by the way, those of you taking notes, it's by a man named Gianelli. It's a difficult read, so that's why I put it down. I didn't want to be dealing with anything that I have to, like, super think twice And I'm pretty good with vocabulary, but this guy was off the chain. So I got a second introduction to it by two men, two Europeans, by the name of uh, Preston Nichols and those of you who know about the Montauk experiment, and Al Bielik, who was responsible or was part of the Philadelphia experiment. And when I mentioned that to them, they said, whoa, and talk about that. I said, well, why not? He says, well, astrophysicists who find the truth have been disappearing, heart attacking, committing suicide, dying in accidents. I'm saying, really? Well, let me not venture forth. I mean, you know, I'm 
I'm pretty courage. I've got, you know, I'm pretty brave. Then, you know, you're telling me that, you know, people are talking on that subject. But again, like I said, I'm not here to pad what I'm about to say. There are a lot of things that we have been deluded by. And these people I'm about to introduce you to have done an extremely good job because they started at least two or three hundred to five hundred years ago. Which is why the woven reality that I spoke about, the paradigm structures that we believe to be real, those paradigm structures have to be destroyed. We cannot look at what we have become comfortable with anymore as reality. That's a disturbing thing. To give up the things that make you comfortable. Which is why they inebriate us with so much media. Which is why people hypnotically are hooked into Facebook. To all the places where they can express themselves. Because we don't meet like this anymore. Very few times. I mean, back in the day, we met. Whew, we meet. We used to come together constantly. The first African, uh, we're back at Boys and Highfield, Boys and Girls Highfield. It was Africa, actually. But anyway, that being said, I just want you to know that what you're looking at here, this being a common exercise of logic, concludes that the authentic experience is a first-person, tactile, in-person interaction between an event and your physical senses, one not mediated or explained by an outside or second-person worded definition of that experience. If using the words we speak to define an experience could be considered a second-person mediation of perception, then any word spoken to describe an experience must be considered inauthentic, unless the listener has had a previous first-person experience similar to the experience being described. There go. Any experience resulting from the manipulation of one's perception through a second-person retelling using words is authentic. Given this scenario, it would stand to reason that the only genuine perception would be prelinguistic perception, which is why the science of mind control today is about invading, occupying, and manipulating our centers of prelinguistic perception. In other words, the only real experiences we have is with each other. Everything that you've been taught in school is secondhand. Everything that has been downloaded into you as reality, that you've fixed it, that you've cemented, that you've used as the foundation for your activity within that reality, is not real. Because you never experienced it. All you did was read it in a book. All you did was be told by the teacher that this is a cow. The cow says moo. Did you smell the cow? Did you touch the cow? No. All learning. 90% of what you are is based on pre, uh, post-linguistic explanations and experientials. You are not real. You don't have a real experience. When you make love, you have a real experience. When you eat, you have a real experience. When a woman has a baby, she has a real experience. But learning about babies and seeing them being born on TV, that's not an experience. That's you being conditioned to believe 
that this is something. If I was to look up in the sky today, I say to my students, if I was to look up in the sky, you didn't know what it was. And I'd say, wow, there's something up there. And it, it, it's, it's got these two appendages and it keeps flapping it and it, it, it helps it to maintain. It just seems to stay up in the air. What is it? Oh, yeah, see? You think it's a bird. Why? Because you've been given that as the definition. But what does that do? It separates you from the experience. The definition separates you. Somebody gave you a word to describe that particular experience. That's not the experience. Okay? So from this particular... Hey, my son is here. Y'all give it up for my... <laughs> Boy doing the Netflix flick. Be looking out for him. He's gonna be in a movie. I apologize for anyway, the audio on this. As anyway, you know, whenever you try to enter from this point knowledge, forward, we're gonna read who the weavers and manipulators of your reality has been. We're gonna read who it is that set the structures for what you believe to be real and then we're going to take a look at pictures of what you think is real uh, okay now i gotta get used to this oh here we are okay so what is reality okay let's look at it this way in terms of reality and its expression through the principal laws of matter we can only say give me i'm gonna to have to come up here with you guys because my neck is we can only say that we know of matter through its expressed behaviorisms in relationship to form and our I'm going to have to read it molding. because it's skipping. So uh, I'm going to read it for you. Whenever you try to get too deep, you know, they manipulate it. So here we go. In terms of reality and its expression through the principle of laws of matter, we can only say that we know of matter only through its expressed behaviorisms in relation to form and our brain's perceptual molding focus on those things we perceive to be real. Matter, in reality, is psychoreactive and psychoreflective. In other words, cometaphysically, mind and matter are one. In terms of our focus on the surfaces of the behavior of matter, the Western Church of Quantum Quantum mechanical sciences, the quantum cult has succeeded in merely describing the surface nature of matter, but has failed miserably to define the essence of it, even at the very nanoparticulate levels of their examinations and scrutiny through electron microscopes, the priesthood of the quantum. Okay, this is where I can't read it anymore. Uh, reality is a concept exclusive to philosophers, a compass used by us to explore the ontological and epistemological fabrics of being. The concepts of reality, therefore, will never be found spoken in the hollowed halls of science. Why is that? Because with all their fanciful theories and mathematical equations resulting from centuries of investigations exploring that concept, science, Science found that it was easier to staple smoke to a drywall. 
in a book called Process and Reality by Alfred North Whitehead. You should, we should really read his works. Maybe I can get some. Alfred North Whitehead. The author ridicules the egotism of Western science by elaborating on what he calls the fallacy of misplaced concreteness. He explores the frivolous beliefs of scientists that there is something somewhere out there. Let's let's pick up where Dr. Valentine left off. But the deeper they dig into the atomic infrastructures of material existence, the more paradoxical the interwoven fabrics of matter become, and thus the more uncertain their concrete perceptions of reality become. Quantum physics or quantum electrodynamics, for all you who are studying physics, know that they are not telling you the truth. You will graduate with a religious concept of reality because the church of quantum physics is just that. It's a religion. So, they and their tenets represent the church of definitive realities and their high priests like Krauss, Einstein, Hawking, Hubble, and even Tyson have been ordained by their Jesuit masters to spread their gospel of quantum truth to the world, all to establish their paradigm of concreteness in the minds of humankind. Thus, the aesthetics of orthodox materialistic scientific logic is a laughable myth because it requires two types of logistics operating simultaneously to process a rational conclusion. Hit your physics professor with this if you're in school. You have ordinary logic, family. There's the logic that we, as the unscientific laity, the unwashed masses, intuitively grasp and gravitate towards. It assumes concrete logic in a linear time stream. Then we have the logic of quantum science. That is the logic used by the quantum church to solve problems it sets for itself. They set up the problems and tell you, well, we are exploring the universe. We're finding all these conundrums that we're going to work out for you. Think about it. An extremely convoluted, problematical, exotic form of logic based on something they call Boolean algebra. So... When we search through the paradigmatic structures of quantum mechanics for the ordinary logic to explain existence, nature, and reality, we are forced through scholastic indoctrination to view them through the strings and aisles of Boole that the quantum cult embedded into the natural processes of ordinary mathematical logic. This creates the desired dissonance that allows them to bypass our own ordinary logic-based intellectual filters, submerging us into a cauldron of vacillating premises that requires us to shift our attention into their zones of hypothetical thinking, which thereafter has us intellectually hopping from one leg to the other. And because you have been programmed from kindergarten to believe that these high priests of the quantum cult have direct access to the mind of the creator itself, your hypnotic reaction is to deny your own divine intuitive pathways to logic, deferring to their twisted, convoluted, ecclesiastical Boolean logic, allowing them to linguistically shape your neurological circuitry 
to predetermine the subconscious pathways your perceptions of reality take when pondering the true nature of existence. So there we all are today. Here we are. Gathered here in this auditorium where you and your individual observer get to decide which logic you wish to employ as we re-examine the authenticity of reality. I hope you all can understand his speech. In my school, I teach my students that the thought processes in their heads are not real. Thought is a mechanical thing that your brain catalogs for you. It's an activity of the brain only. When you're thinking a thought, what do you think is actually looking at the pictures of that thought? A thought? Think about it. And I really ask that question very seriously of my students because when you are thinking and you are in your mind looking at the thoughts that are in your head, it is not the thought that's looking at the thinking. It is the observer, the neutral observer that looks at all that you have cataloged as your experiences, all of the different qualifications of that experience, all of what you added emotionally. All of those things become a cauldron of a recipe that you recall when the right time comes. You know what happens when you had that good sex. I mean, the kind that just leaves you drained. You know, you're hanging off the bed and saying, yeah, that's it, that's that, I'm done. Now, you take that imprint and you carry that with you. And every now and then, something would kick in, and there's a picture of that. What comes with that is the emotions, and everything that you put into that stew is recalled back, and your body reacts. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not having sex, but something's happening. Well, see, that's what it is. Thought is a mechanical thing. Okay? It can be viewed. But if you do not know that your observer is apart from that, then come a slave thinking and the senses that shaped your thoughts and your thinking. Okay? So when we speak about the observer, I'm going to speak to the part that quiet. Because until you quiet thought, you will never enter the realm of intelligence. Thought will constantly be the bickering, battering, clicking, clanging. If you've ever been in the forest and heard crickets, but you don't know where they are, that's how your thoughts act. The subconscious, the conscious, the unconscious, these crickets. And some people need to feed on thoughts. If I don't have no thoughts, what am I going to do? Oh, turn on Facebook. I'm going to see if I can get some thoughts going. You are afraid, deathly afraid of the silence that comes. Because you fall into this void that is you. From the time you were a child, you've been taught to busy mind with lecture and the digestion of thought. Constantly looking for something to think about. But have you ever been thought not to think? No. They give you too many problems to allow for that. They make sure you don't have that time. So, let's ask, what is truth? <laughs> 
tell me what truth is? Okay, so I'm glad that you guys heard a little bit about that. He's unconventional, but a lot of metaphysical wisdom, and uh, you can look it up on your own. Everybody's perspective. Everybody has a piece of the pie, and uh, it's important to listen to all people, even if you don't agree on every single thing. I guarantee you there's something that you don't know. And the more you understand how how other people think, the better it is for all of us. Kyla Powers Radio.